Have you ever allowed your imagination to run wild about the world of work? To wonder what would happen if we tore up all the rules and started again? Welcome to What If, a podcast from the CIPD's work magazine that dares to ask the previously unthinkable. I'm Katie Jacobs, and over five podcasts, I'll be asking experts to dispense with the here and now, embrace the art of the possible, and ponder, what if? What if we ended hierarchy at work? All pay was transparent. We stopped worrying about DNI, or we all worked from home forever. This episode, we'll be asking, what would happen if all pay was transparent? In some workplaces, that's not a contentious idea. In many multinationals and across the public sector, salaries are determined by band, so everyone knows broadly what their colleagues take home. But in other sectors, pay is a jealously guarded secret, and gender pay gap reporting has shone a light on some of the discrepancies and inequalities that have been allowed to flourish. LinkedIn has estimated that around 27% of companies currently have transparency around pay and another 22% plan to do so. It's also been suggested that around 60% of employees think it's a good idea. But that's hardly a consensus, and there are drawbacks to knowing what your colleagues earn. For starters, it means you have to share your own vital statistics, and most people are still pretty reticent about that, in the UK at least. To tackle both sides of this debate, I'm joined by two experts on the world of reward. Emma Parry, Reader in Human Resource Management at Cranfield School of Management, and Todd Zenger, Chair in Strategy and Strategic Leadership at the University of Utah in the US. I started by asking Emma to make the case for pay transparency as an advance in organisational democracy. Well, for me, this is all about fairness. So, of course, we've talked about this a lot when we talk about equality, um, mostly in relation to the gender pay gap. And, of course, that if we can see how much people are paid, then we can see where the inequalities are. And it is about equality, but ultimately, for me, it's actually about fairness across the whole workforce, because if we can see pay and we're transparency about pay, we can highlight elements of inequality or unfairness. And this then drives individuals to negotiate fairer pay. It hopefully drives employers to develop fairer pay allocation systems. So ultimately, we should end up with a fairer system of allocating pay. And we know, of course, that fairness and perceptions of fairness lead to higher employee engagement, to higher productivity and to being able to keep people we want in the organisation. So for me, it's quite a clear case, I have to say. I think there's a lot of talk about transparency. And given the spectrum of transparency, I think we are seeing people that are sharing pay scales and people that are being transparent, but perhaps at the lower end of the spectrum. Um, Anecdotally, I'd say that there are only a few organisations that are really openly sharing pay data at an individual level. Um, And I think in the UK, we are culturally quite reluctant to talk about how much we're paid. I mean, certainly I was brought up to understand that it's not you know, it's a little distasteful to talk about your salary. And I think culturally, we're still a bit like that. We are seeing that change a bit in younger groups of people and more willingness to talk about that. And that might drive change. But actually, I think as a country, we are a bit reluctant to talk about pay. And that has driven this reluctance within organisations to share pay data. But the other thing I think that we have to recognise is that, of course, it's difficult. If we start being transparent 
about pay, then we have to get everything else right. We have to have fair pay systems. Um, we have to have a way of measuring performance. And we know that organisations find that very difficult and struggle with that. Um, so really, it's often not about sharing pay itself. It's about what goes behind it and the fact that we suddenly have to get everything else right that makes us reluctant to do it because it opens a whole can of worms. Not many leaders would argue against the broad value of transparency. But Todd Zenger has co-authored a paper which looked at companies' experiences and specifically what happened after they told employees what each other earned. He says there are a number of drawbacks we should consider before we advocate for full transparency. For all the talk of, of pay transparency, there hasn't really been a study around this that I'm aware of, but it seems like those that are that, you know, that try to write articles about this are, are constantly sort of finding the exact same companies and not new ones. And I, you know, I, I think it has everything to do with this paradox that you know, we kind of illuminate in this, in this paper that's, that's going to appear in Nature, which is it does wonderful things to sort of push an organization to be fair and equitable in the way it approaches pay allocation, but it complicates linking pay to performance. And it particularly complicates linking pay and performance in environments where performance isn't very transparent. It may be transparent to those that are tasked with assessing performance, but, but when you implement widespread, you know, radical pay transparency, it, it then also has to be transparent to everybody else in the organization, because I'll look at it and go, oh, I don't think that person deserves that, but I'm not really seeing that person's performance. And so there are these sort of widespread costs that get imposed. And, and you know, what we know from research is that when people observe inequity in pay or what they perceive to be inequity in pay, they leave these organizations, they reduce their effort, they politic for change. So they're, they're real tangible costs imposed on organizations when they perceive it to be it to be unfair you know it really depends on how important pay for performance is in the nature of, of your business right if it's not all that important if you know people are motivated by you know kind of promotion systems and salaries and if you can you know works rewarding people based on seniority then there's really no no trade-off. You know, be transparent, make people see that that everything's fair in this organization. Um, if on the other hand, you're in an environment where pay for performance is really important and performance is not highly visible to everybody else, then you make, you know, you're, you may make a different choice. Maybe trying to make um, the approach you use to allocating pay more transparent and let people understand the pay system and the way you evaluate people and, and, you know, kind of push toward greater transparency on those dimensions, but maybe not publish everyone's, everyone's pay. But the downside, or depending on your perspective, is that pay also becomes less performance-based. That is the link between observable measures of performance and pay that that kind of that that slope or that relationship significantly diminishes post-transparency. So this sort of this double-edged sword, depending on how you you know how you think of things, in that it really pushes organizations to be fair-minded, to be precise, and to allocate uh, pay in a much more fair and equal way. But you know, with equality 
necessarily comes a reduction, not not equity, but with equality necessarily comes a reduction in, in pay for performance. So we see those effects and we see them play out, you know, kind of state by state as states implement these things. This is what happens to their to the pay systems in those organizations. Zenga's position is not that transparency is a bad principle, but that we need to consider some of its side effects. One of his most interesting contentions is that it decouples the link between pay and performance and might encourage some higher performers to leave. Because when it comes to performance, of course, we all think we deserve more. One of the, you know, one of my earliest findings related to this space is was something that was part of my dissertation several decades ago. Um, it found that people have very inflated perceptions of their own performance. Uh, you know, this was a study looking at engineers in Silicon Valley, you know, in the, in the 80s, and it found that um, out of about a thousand engineers across two different organizations, there was only one individual that, that thought his or her performance was below average. And, you know, 80 to 90% would think they're in the top quartile. And so that finding sort of highlights the difficulty that organizations face in trying to pay for performance in an environment where performance is, is relatively subjective. But it, it also kind of diminishes their ability to link pay and performance. You know, that can also be fun. One of the things that we haven't fully looked at, we've got some preliminary results around this, is what happens to mobility and to turnover. The early results we think are that people that are underpaid, you know, or inequitably underpaid tend to, to leave. Although if the organization in response to the inequities revealed quickly elevates the pay of those individuals, they actually end up end up staying. And at, and at the top end, there's also a little bit of evidence that those that are high earners may leave post-transparency because, again, this is preliminary results, but it, it may be that they recognize that this is going to cause the organization to need to sort of flatten incentives. And this is no longer an attractive game for them if they're a high performer. Incentive systems have two primary effects, right? One is on motivation. And the other is on choosing what organization you want to work for. And, you know, if, if what pay transparency does is cause pay in organizations to become more equal, then if I'm a really high performer, I'm going to go find an organization with other really high performers who, you know, when I get paid my equal amount, consistent with my with my performance so and we and, and, and so we see this kind of sorting across organizations in response to these into pay, in, in response to pay systems and pay transparency sort of plays into this if it, if it pushes organizations to have to flatten their pay paid less for performance then it means that the only way you get paid for performance is to move to the right organization it's a debate that clearly merits more careful consideration than it has been given in much of the mainstream media. So I asked both of our speakers how they would design a fair system of pay and how they would communicate it, given everything they know about the topic. Todd Zenger first. So I've actually gone from being in an environment with no pay transparency to one in which there is 
more complete transparency because I've gone from working in a private institution to a public institution. And I would say that in public academic, in my world, I'm not sure it matters too much. I don't think pay, I think pay transparency is absolutely fine. I think there's a reason that most corporations have chosen to not go with sort of radical pay transparency. And I don't think it's just so that they can continue to discriminate or something like that. I think it has to do with the fact that they recognize that there are real tangible costs, they, that they'll lose people, that it will cause turnover, and that they will compromise their ability to really reward people and to motivate people. So I think in that kind of setting where you really see value in pay for performance, that I would be very transparent about the nature of the pay system. If it's got pay bans, you know, advertise these, describe these. I would publish information that would allow people to verify that there isn't gender discrimination going on in the organization. I would be transparent at sort of aggregate levels. I wouldn't create this environment where, you know, I'm literally looking up individuals and saying, I'm better than you and I'm getting less. But I would let people understand that the system that, that is in place is fair and they have a sense of where they sit relative to, you know, to that system, which is, I, I think, what's going on now. Um, and I think we're, we're seeing this movement toward that kind of transparency in corporations being much more transparent about the process and the outcomes and the fairness as it relates to important categories like gender, such that people have confidence in the fairness with which the pay allocation system is, is, is playing out. We know that people compare themselves naturally to other people that they work with or their friends or whatever. And we know that they then start asking questions about why someone might earn more money than they do. So I think they're realistic concerns. Um, I think the important thing is that you need to be able to have answers to those questions. So for me, that's about really thinking about what do we value in this organisation? You know, what does performance mean in that organisation? You know, what's the vision of the organisation? How might people contribute to that? What do we see as good performance in relation to that vision? And then finding objective and rigorous ways of measuring that, evaluating that and linking it to pay. And I'm saying that as though it's very easy. It's not. It's really, really difficult. I mean, I'm not denying that. So I completely understand that people have misgivings. But actually, I think if you can have a clear conversation with someone about, well, actually, you know, this is why you earn this much. And, you know, this is how you might actually do something else to earn more then I think a lot of those problems um, are overcome. And the other thing I would say about that that's important, I think, is that a lot of this is also about enabling people to have those conversations. So I think one thing that we also often shy away from is having those difficult conversations within organisations. And many line managers find it really, really difficult to have those conversations. I mean, we know from years and years around performance management research that actually, you know, managing poor performance is very difficult and talking to people about poor performance is very difficult. And often line managers shy away from that because um, 
because they don't know a way to do that well or because they find it very uncomfortable. This is no different to that. So it's also about supporting line managers, I think, and training line managers to have those conversations and creating a culture where actually we talk about these things and we talk about why people are paid and, you know, completely flying in the face of the English culture probably. But, you know, we talk about some of these different things because it's only really through having these conversations, I think, that we can get rid of those misgivings. So where will we end up? Will we reach a tipping point where it becomes culturally unacceptable not to be transparent on pay? Or are there larger considerations in play that mean full transparency around what everyone earns will never become mainstream practice? Emma Parry weighs up the options. Culturally in the UK, certainly, we, you know, we do tend to work with this smoke and mirrors approach. We do tend to be quite secretive around things like pay culturally. So I don't think it will happen quickly. Um, I think we are seeing in the values of younger people entering the workforce more of a leaning towards openness and transparency, more of a desire to have these conversations, to know what's going on in the organisation and to understand how other people are rewarded and valued and to get this constant feedback about why we're paid what we are. So I think the dial is moving in that direction um, because values are changing. I mean, I think what we'll see um, is because of the impetus around the gender pay gap um, and because of the impetus to, for people and organisations to provide evidence of fairness in pay and rewards, I think what we'll see is that we'll see some organisations start to do this and then eventually we'll see people that are in those organisations that are more opaque asking questions, you know, well, why aren't you transparent about my pay? Is it because my pay is not fair? Once you start having those perceptions, I think you'll eventually see a tipping point where organisations are compelled to do this um, and compelled to be more transparent in order to um, maintain positive employee attitudes and retain people within the organisation. So I do think eventually, you know, we'll see this ripple effect where it will happen slowly and then we'll see more and more. That's my hope. My frustration with opponents of this is that most of the challenges are things that could be avoided, you know, if we just take the care to really think about the systems and the way that we're doing things um, and take steps to address some of the problems that are likely to come out of being more transparent. If we look at this at an individual level, and we've been talking mostly at an you know, organisational employer level, I mean, this leads us into lots of conversations about organisational politics and how people play the system um, and, you know, the way that people can build the right relationships and make sure that they're more visible in organisations in order to get opportunities, but ultimately to benefit in relation to pay. And I think this does make it more difficult for an individual that has built their career that way. You know, so an individual that is very good at playing the system, at building relationships with the people that make these decisions. Again, the research that I've done around talent management shows that actually the people that are in the high potential category are often the people that are very good at building relationships and networks with the people that matter. They're very good at being visible at the right events and in the right places. And I think what this does is make it much more difficult to benefit from that kind of political, with a small p, obviously, that kind of political behaviour. But we also know, actually, um, again, from some research that a doctoral student that I'm working with is doing, that actually women, um, and I think also ethnic minorities, are find it much more difficult to undertake political behaviour like that. 
So again, actually removing this kind of behaviour so that people are really rewarded for the value that they provide to an organisation is a good thing, in my opinion. You have been listening to the What If podcast, brought to you by the CIPD's Work magazine. To find out more about how the CIPD is dedicated to better work and working lives, visit cipd.co.uk. And don't forget to check out the rest of the What If series from your podcast provider or the peoplemanagement.co.uk website.